Welcome to Figure Out Your Life Podcast, the podcast where we try to find the answers to life's everyday questions. I am your host, Toya T, a.k.a. Toya T, Ph.D., a.k.a. your sister from another mister, a.k.a. the best friend you need but didn't know you wanted, a.k.a. I'm a big girl now. Oh, man, I need to stop playing. I really missed you guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. There's not much to update about me. I have officially been teaching for a month now since my new school allowed me to spend two months, two great months preparing my class. It is quite a bit to junk to juggle, but I'm getting a hang of it and I'm getting to know the students and that's the best part about it. And they seem to be responding very well to this course that I'm teaching them, which is about life skills, about preparing for life after they graduate from high school and beyond. I'm really enjoying it. And I actually might use some of the lessons as podcast episodes because they are that impactful and I think it would be useful for those who are adults that are still trying to learn how to adult. For example, the uh, lesson I was working on yesterday for this upcoming week is about personal branding, how to create a personal brand. And as I was going through the activities, I was like, yo, this is so dope. I really need to share this with other people. Like, This would be great for adulting for dummies or adulting 101 or this podcast, which is pretty much all of those things wrapped into one. And don't be surprised if we have a lot of exercises and visualizations, because that's what I'm using with my students. <sighs> but one thing that's killing me that is really hard to deal with is the silence. I loved teaching, especially in person, because of being able to be in the room with the kids. You, you feel the energy, the vibes. You can do certain things on the fly because you can judge you know, what the energy is. Do you need to ask some students how they're feeling? Do you need to crack a joke? Do you need to take a break and then just talk about anything they want to talk about? But you, it's really hard to do that on Zoom. One, because they're all on mute unless they unmute themselves. And two, not all of them will put their full face on Zoom. And I know that I teach morning classes. Like I'm usually done by before noon but gosh like my first period class it's like pulling teeth it really is they're the smallest class I have it's like 14 kids and I can't get half of those screens on and I usually just have to say can I get evidence of life which means can you wave your hand across the camera or can you have the camera so it's angled on the top of your head or something so I can see that you're there and even though the school has a policy where we're trying to get like full faces on the zooms because of this whole pandemic and the way things are and it's really depressing to be a senior in high school during this time where you don't get to do any of the cool activities that you get to do as a senior that you've been waiting for since you were a freshman I just give them some grace, but the evidence of life does not help me keep my energy up. So that is something that is really hard. Plus, I'm a talker and it can get so quiet and I feel very awkward allowing there to be silence, waiting for them to say something. Because if you stop to, to wait to, for kids to say something inside of a classroom, there's still some breathing, some rustling, something. But when you're on Zoom and it's on mute, you don't hear anything. It's something that I think I need to work on. Maybe I need to learn how to be comfortable with silence and taking pauses, which is always something that I try to work on. I would ask a question and I would wait two seconds before I'd be like, okay, no one has an answer, but I need to learn how to give them a little bit more space. Maybe learn how to take 30 second breaks. Kind of like that one. Even though it wasn't 30 seconds, I think it was like 10 seconds. But it's a start. 
Anyway, I'm a work in progress. Here's a little something that I'm borrowing from the Read podcast. This past month's Black Excellence and the last two months just in general goes to my bestie, Dr. Aisha Z. Court, PhD, Spanish professor, business owner, travel guide and travel experience curator and candle maker extraordinaire. My girl was featured on Good Morning America 3, the afternoon version in October, right around her birthday, and has recently been featured on a list of candles you must have for the holiday season on Allure.com. And I'm so proud of her and inspired by her worth ethic because all the things that I just said before she does actively like she is currently uh, teaching a full load I think she has about either four or five classes teaching remotely and having to deal with the things that comes with that and the fact that she also owns Viva La Lingua which is the travel experience curating business that she has which obviously is on hold because of the pandemic and then she has Hey Dr. Court, which is the uh, Spanish language one-on-one tutoring to learn how to become conversationally fluent in Spanish. That's her other business. And then this candle business, Vela Negra, that she started this year. She's doing all these things at the same time during a pandemic. And this woman is making about 200 candles a day. Okay. And teaching full time. And doing everything else and living as much as best as she can. (laughs) And I am so proud that it's something that she launched during the pandemic. And she is already in two stores in D.C. One of them is Salt and Sundry. That's the one I remember (laughs) the easiest. And I know the saying comparison is the thief of joy. And that's something that I've been working on. I worked on it in in therapy a couple years ago about my fear of failure and particularly my issues with comparisons because my mother used to constantly use comparisons as a way to motivate me, but it never really motivated me. It just made me feel like crap or not good enough. And even though uh, comparison is the thief of joy, When I look at what she's been able to achieve this year, it makes me want to work harder. Her work ethic really makes me want to work harder on this podcast and my Figure Out Your Life brand because I want to do merch. I want to start a new YouTube channel. I want to do a lot of things and I got to figure out my life. And she's just giving me the inspiration that I need to let me know that I can get it done too. But anyways, if you haven't checked out her amazing new business, Vela Negra, V-E-L-A-N-E-G-R-A, please do so. I'll put the link to the website in the show notes to let y'all know my favorite candle is currently Poppy because it smells like a man. And since I ain't got one, it makes me feel like I do. (laughs) It it literally uh, will put me to sleep because it smells so much like a man's cologne that I'm like, Ooh, it smells like I have a man in here. As you can tell where my head is. Anyway, this leads me into today's show. So I've been thinking about this topic for some time As I've been reflecting on my life and my past choices and experiences, had a lot of time to do so in during this pandemic. And as I get closer to to 40, even though I am 37 in four months, as I get closer to entering into another decade of my life, I have been doing a lot of thinking and I've been thinking back on my 20s and what I learned from it, because When I was at the end of my 20s, when uh, I was 29, 28, I spent a lot of time focusing on what I wanted to do before I turned 30. I made a whole YouTube series about 30 things to do before I turned 30. 
I had so many things on that list, such as trying something new, traveling, trying online dating, find the right career path, cutting out toxic relationships, getting fit, being a wild and crazy kid and being nostalgic. Funny thing about it is that I don't think I even made it to 30 videos. I skipped a number. I just realized didn't even make it to 30. But the whole point about what I was saying is that I spent so much time at the end of my 20s thinking about my 30s and what I was going to lose going from being in my 20s into being in my 30s and getting over the whole like, oh my gosh, I'm 30 and I'm not married and I don't have kids and all this other stuff. I didn't really take a, a time to reflect on the things that I learned from my 20s. And there was a lot of things that happened in my 20s. It is a very interesting time in my life because there's so many transitions that occur during that decade. You transition out of adolescence at 20. You can legally drink at 21 in the United States. And now you can smoke marijuana recreationally depending on the state that you live in. Here in Massachusetts, you can smoke marijuana recreationally at the age of 21. At 25, you can rent a car without penalty. And at 29, you cry about turning 30. <laughs> but for me specifically, I graduated from college in my 20s. I got my first apartment in the Bronx with my good sister friend, Karen. I started graduate school at 22. I moved to Atlanta at age 25 to work on my PhD dissertation. And at 27, I drove across country from Atlanta, Georgia to Santa Barbara, California for a dissertation fellowship that I got at University of California, Santa Barbara, UCSB, shout out, in the Black Studies Department. And I lived there for a year. And then at 28, I moved back home to Boston to finish my PhD program. And there was a lot of other things during this time, I also started to travel more for leisure and professionally, and I got to explore new places. I also dated. I loved. I cried. I made new friends. I lost friends. I got my heart broken more than once. I did lots of dumb young girl shit, and I formed a new relationship with each of my parents as adults. I got to know them as human beings as not just my parents. I learned about them and the people they are and about their childhood and their young adulthood. That's really uh, made this whole moving back home worth it. So much happened in that decade that has impacted my life and the person that I am, especially how I approach life. And I thought it'd be helpful to share the lessons I learned from those experiences in my 20s with others. Hopefully this will help any of you listening who are in your 20s, avoid some of the hard lessons I had to learn. Or maybe this will inspire those who are older in their 30s, 40s, and, a, and above to reflect back on your 20s and figure out the lessons that you learned from them. So here is my list of 10 lessons I learned from my 20s. It's in no particular order. Starting off at number one. Start working on your finances as soon as possible. In particular, what came to my mind was do not take out so many loans, especially in graduate school. Whew, for me, oh my gosh. So I have six figures of student loan debt. I've said it more than once. I'll say it to anybody that speaks to me for longer than five minutes. That's why I live at home with my mama right now because I got six figures of student loan debt. And I could have had less of that as I... Um, spent some time uh, last weekend 
actually going through my loans, like each loan that I have, and all my loans are federal loans. I'll put that out there. There's no private loans, but I went through each of my loans and listed them on a piece of paper. So it's real. (laughs) It's not just something that I'm just paying money to and hoping to ignore. I went and sat down and looked at every one of my loans, looked at how much I originally took out, when I took it out, what was the interest rate, and if there's any interest that had built up, any unpaid interest. And good gosh, there were some times that I should not have taken out as much money as I did. I was working when I was in New York, but I was doing work study in my department, doing copies for some of the professors and working in the office in my department as admin assistant. I, I also was teaching, which did not pay that much as an adjunct. I remember that my first teaching job, I got paid somewhere between 3300 and 3600 for the semester, which is super low. Try to live off that in New York City when you have rent, even though you're splitting it with a roommate. Then as a broke graduate student, having a work study and a teaching job, like I needed a third job <laughs> to be able to really not depend so much on my loans, because that's what most of my loans were for, was not necessarily to pay my tuition. Because since I went to a city school, they have in-state and out-state of t- tuition. And because I had lived in New York for four years, they allowed me to get in-state tuition, which still didn't help. It was really low. My tuition was probably like a thousand something dollars each semester, but books and stuff are expensive. Even that, the majority of what I was using my loans for was to pay my rent and to pay for food. I wasn't walling out of control. I didn't need to take out as much, especially when I moved back home. I was still taking loans to pay my tuition. And I think I should have just been paying it out of pocket because I took th- thousands of dollars out. And particularly those unsubsidized loans, good gosh, when they had switched over the Stafford loan from being subsidized to unsubsidized, particularly for graduate students, that shit took me out. Okay. I took like 18,000, 20,000. I wasn't even living in New York when I took these things out. I was living in Boston, in my mama's house, not paying no rent. And I was using that money to live, which was stupid. I'll tell you that right now. Starting to work on your finances as soon as possible is one lesson that I learned from my 20s because I racked up so much debt in my 20s from graduate school and credit cards. What I learned from my 20s is that credit cards should only be used for emergencies and experiences that you can pay back. Okay, when I turned 18, I got a Capital One card, had a very low balance. I still have that card now. And as part of like my credit history, which I'm so happy that I took that card out, I think it was $500. I think that was the limit or a thousand or something. And that thing always was at its limit because I was using that thing to go eat out with my friends and all kinds of stuff. And it's no, those aren't the experiences you're supposed to be using your credit card for. It's if you wanted to do a study abroad program or you wanted to go see Beyonce in concert, that's what you spend. You use your credit card for and then you work to pay it off which is what I was not doing. I was just paying the minimum, paying the minimum, and you never get a credit card paid off by just paying the minimum because when you carry a balance, they add interest and you just get stuck. So that's something that um, I take from my 20s. Number two, you can do better than him. And my close friends that listen to this, they know who the him is. Actually, there's several hymns. There's at least, there's at least three hymns but maybe like mainly two hymns and maybe really just one hymn, the hymn, the hymn that I probably will need uh, therapy for that I've been thinking like, maybe I need to go to therapy to deal with my issues with the hymn that I haven't um, seen in years, haven't had any kind of sexual interactions with or relations with in years since I turned 30. So I know it's been seven years 
uh, since I've had that kind of relationship with this ham. But you can do better than him. You can do better than him. And in my 20s, there was just one person that ran through my entire 20s. At first, he was chasing me, which for various reasons, I did not give in to. Uh, one, because he had a girlfriend. And two, because there were so many, there were so many guys. There were so many, there were so many guys in college. I was in New York City. I was just like living the life, being young, being single. And this one, he popped up in my freshman year. We had an interaction. We had a entanglement. Ooh, let me bring up that 2020 word from Jada Pinkett Smith. I had an entanglement with him early freshman year and it did not go very well. And then I was just like, we're cool being friends. And we were friends. We were like flirtatious friends, but we were friends all up until senior year when he was like, yo, we got unfinished business. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he pursued me hard and I ended up staying in New York and he was working in New York and he finally got me. He finally caught me. And then I was like really caught up in him and several times had to pull myself away friends would tell me this is not the business he does not treat you like even when I started to to gain feelings for this person and I told him he was like no you know I just got out of a situation and I'm not really trying to do something like that and my dumb behind was like okay I'm just gonna stay in this situationship this entanglement and sometimes I would wise up and just not talk to him for a bit and he would come back and it didn't help that we had mutual friends and then I moved, he moved. And it was just this long saga because the universe seemed to be trying to push us towards each other like magnets that kind of always seem to come back towards each other until I turned 30 and I told him like I can't do this no more and I'm happy that I didn't because I can do so much better than him, so much better. And so... That is something that I learned. Number three, ask for help as soon as possible. That is something that is really hard for me. One, because I grew up in a single parent household. My mother was very much an independent woman. She still says it now. That's why I work for myself. I don't need no man to do this for me. That's why I don't depend on no man. If I want something, I get it. I don't like to borrow things. I'll buy it because I'm an independent woman. And it's always been really hard for me to ask for help because I really never really see my mother ask for help because she's always been so strong and independent. So when I start to struggle, I don't automatically start asking for help. And that's something I've been working on in my 30s. One of the particular things that I talked about in terms of like financial help was the like social services that I should have received. Man, I should have been on some food stamps. I should have been receiving something when I was in graduate school because I was broke when I when I was teaching and then I didn't have a job for the summer. I should apply for unemployment. I didn't learn about that until I was in my 30s that you can apply for unemployment for adjunct positions, especially during your summer breaks, your winter breaks, that you can apply and get unemployment, which helps with the financial burden of not being paid. And it would have lessened the amount of loans I would have taken out because during those periods of time when I didn't have work, I would have had money coming in from unemployment. So I wish I had known that earlier. I wish I had asked for help earlier. I still have issues of asking for help when I don't understand anything. And I'm starting to catch that a lot earlier now and to say, I don't understand this. Can you help me? It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you stupid. It makes you someone who needs help. And that if you want to get something done and you don't understand it, there are people out there to help you. There are things out there to help you um, get those things done. 
Number four, balance is key. My first year of graduate school was not the easiest for me. Academically wise, most of it was fine, but I was not mentally prepared to go straight into graduate school. My second year, I had a whole different situation going on. It was so much better when I actually got some advice from another student. This was the best advice I ever got. She said, you need to learn how to balance. You cannot base your experiences and what you plan for yourself based on other people. If you need to have a social life, then you need to take less classes. You need to take the minimum amount to be a full-time student so that you can keep your financial aid. But make sure that you have enough time to do the things that you want to do, hang out with your friends, go to the clubs, date, all these things. Just taking down one class. I think I was taking five classes or something. My second year of graduate school, I had signed up for five classes and I was just like, oh my gosh, I just want to get this stuff done. I wanted to finish my coursework in three years and I wanted to get out of grad school in five years. I'm on this track. I need to get this done. And I just was feeling overwhelmed by looking at all the work I had to get done for that semester. This was before the ad drop date. And she told me that and was like, maybe you need to drop a class. And after that conversation with her, shout out to Danielle, because I know who said it to me. I dropped one class and it made a significant difference. I had my best semester that first semester of my second year of graduate school. Like everything started to click. I didn't feel stupid anymore because everything that I was learning were of interest to me and they all were connected. So I was learning one thing in one class and then I got a different perspective in another class. And it really was a turning point for me after this conversation about balance. What do you need to be comfortable? What do you need to be to be happy and to get done the stuff that you need to get done. And so I've always taken that with me. And even though sometimes I haven't been the best at balancing, I always come back to that advice that she gave me about finding a way to make sure that the things that are important to me have time and space. Number five, make brave moves, make brave first moves. Do you remember when Facebook had the poke and you could poke on Facebook? One of my very good friends who I dated first, <laughs> who I thought was so fine. I remember I was on Facebook looking through friends of friends and I was like, oh, who is this fine ass dude with the locks? Oh, he's chocolate. Who is he? And I went through all this stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, he like goes to graduate school at Columbia. I'm in New York. Oh, we got some a few friends in common. How do I get his attention? So I poked him. I poked him and it was a really great decision that I made, even though us dating did not really work out. But I'm happy that we were able to stay friends after the dating just did not work. We had a lot in common, plus we both love movies, so we would go to movie premieres. He was my movie premiere friend that we would go to midnight showings. Remember those? <laughs> before they became eight o'clock the night before showings, but like actual real midnight showings. We used to go to a lot of movies together. And we used to we used to watch a lot of movies, like rent movies and watch a lot of movies at his apartment too. And that's something that came out of a brave first move. And it gives me an example that sometimes you just have to put yourself out there and, and see what happens. You may end up with a really good, beautiful relationship with somebody that maybe it didn't go the way that you had imagined, but it can still turn into something absolutely wonderful. And number six, communicate your feelings openly and often. I was always so afraid to tell people how I felt. A lot of it came from my childhood. I might seem like someone who's just very outgoing, but I also have a very shy side of me, a, a very insecure side of me that just didn't feel comfortable speaking up. I didn't live in a household that was about feelings. <laughs> I used to, I still call my mother the ice queen. I didn't see my mother cry until my grandfather uh, died when I was 13. 
And that was the first time I had seen like some kind of emotion in her besides anger because I saw anger when I would do something that I wasn't supposed to. But it was never like an I, uh, I love you house and I care and I feel this and I do that. Like it just was not. I wasn't really good at communicating my feelings. Usually I would insinuate and sometimes I would write down my feelings. So that's when it like really worked out when I was able to write down my feelings. But that didn't happen very often. And from my 20s and from dealing with the him, I I learned that I need to communicate my feelings often and openly. And that's one thing that I did get from the him when things like really started to go downhill. And I realized you can do so much better than him. What are you doing with your life? And we had this huge blow up. Well, we didn't have a blow up. I blew up. It's correction. I blew up. It was on my birthday, too. I blew up. I blew up finally all the things that had been building up that I wanted to say to him that I was afraid to say because if I said it, he wouldn't like me anymore. He wouldn't talk to me anymore. We wouldn't be entangled anymore. He won't see me as a potential girlfriend anymore or any of these things. I was so afraid of speaking up because I was afraid of losing something that, again, I could do so much better than. But at that point, it's all that I wanted. I was so afraid and it just came out because I was keeping it in for so long and I realized that I need to learn how to communicate my feelings more often and more openly because when we had that discussion after I blew up at him he told me you should have just told me how you felt because I can't read your mind and I thought he could tell from my actions and the way I was interacting with him and from my energy around him it got really negative because I started to hate him he apologized and he told me that you need to say it because I'm dumb (laughs) I'm dumb and I don't know and I can't read your minds and I I wouldn't have known this unless you said it and I was just like what (laughs) and even though I'm not the best communicator I'm still working on it but that's something that I took from my 20s that happened in my 20s that was a significant watershed moment for me oh you cannot read my mind you can't tell from the way that I'm brushing you off or cursing you out or cutting my eyes at you that I don't like you right now or you did something that hurt my feelings or I feel like you don't care about me and you treat me like shit and you do it on purpose like all these things that I wanted to say that I would never say particularly in relationships I've just gotten a lot better communicating and finding ways that work best for me in communication that's something that I did learn from my 20s I need to communicate uh, my feelings (laughs) more often and openly seven therapy get it early especially when it's free When I was in graduate school, towards the end, when I was writing and depressed and all that stuff, I had found out about this group therapy and I started going to it. And it was nice to see other people talking about how they're stuck, trying to get out of graduate school, trying to finish up their graduate programs and the things that were in their way and the the mental blocks and stuff. And that was free. Because it was a part of my tuition, a part of the services and fees. I wish I had taken more advantage of that, especially when I was in college. My senior year, I wish I had taken advantage of it because after that panic attack, I really did need to talk to somebody. And it took me a long time to bounce back from that because I was living in shame and guilt because I had overburdened myself. I had failed my first class. I had graduate applications that I was supposed to get out. I sent them in late. And probably uh, really diminished my chances of getting into those programs because the ones that I applied to later were the ones that I actually got positive responses. Like, <laughs> But the ones that were due during um, the fall semester, whoo, baby, those are the ones that I sent in and they probably looked like all kinds of crap. They must have been like, this child goes to Columbia and she wrote this on their application. What the hell? <laughs> Is this a child? Is this like a kindergartner? Did someone sabotage her? But I think I really could have benefited from getting therapy as early as possible. And when I moved back to Boston, I had gone into therapy that first year. 
and it was free because Massachusetts has had universal health care before Obamacare. And so my mother made me sign up and I got free health care because I was poor. I was a poor graduate student living at home with my mama. And uh, I went to a therapist that was in my area and I saw her for, I think, almost a year. And she really helped. I got so much work done for my Ph.D., dissertation I, I wrote so much from being able to talk out my issues with her um so much better and as soon as like that ended and because she had moved and she thought I was in a good place and she was like I think this part of your therapy I think you can end here and I was like okay and then of course shit hit the fan and I completely broke and went into some of the deepest darkest depths of depression and really didn't think I was going to make it out until intervention from my mom and my faculty advisor and mentor, Vilna, always, I always thank her. She told me to go see my doctor. I went to go talk to my doctor and we were able to work that out. And I, of course, obviously you can tell I'm still here, but therapy would have really helped me in a lot of places. And even now I'm thinking, I feel like I may need some therapy for my love life. I might need some therapy. What I'm doing is just like going to complete extremes. Either I'm dating or I'm completely celibate and not dating and not talking to people and that's just not working with the goals that I have for my life I'm 37 I'd like to get married and I definitely would like to have some babies <laughs> I actually bought some therapy cards to help me personally reflect and journal and, and deal with my stuff so I might need to actually go through them before I go looking for therapy but I probably might do both eight do not chase after a man yes you can do better than him but also don't chase after no man no one it's never worth it you never get what you want even if you chase them and you catch them when you catch them, do you want them? Because why did you have to chase them for so long? I feel like TV shows and pop culture in general has really warped our minds into thinking that chasing after a man will lead to something great. And I'm thinking of Nikki Parker and the Parkers, and she was ch chasing after Professor Ogilvy. And then when she finally got him, I'm like, girl, why would you want him after he pretty much swerved you, denied you, abhorred you? Um, hid from you ran from you for so long and all of a sudden now he realizes what a great person you are that's not worth it what the hell you should not be chasing after anybody at all because it's just not worth it the chase for me I love the chase it's the hunt it's that animalistic thing Ooh, can I get them Ooh, can I get them to pay attention this way if I said this if I did that how can I get them to slow down so I can catch them but it's often anticlimactic after you catch your prey like after you catch your prey and you mount it or you eat it or whatever, you just have to go on to the next thing. And that's why it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. You don't want to be chasing after no man because you chase after him, you get him, and then you find out that he wasn't worth it in the first place because why was he making you chase him? There's nothing that's worth it if that involves you chasing them. There should be a mutual attraction and work on both sides. And so I'm just going to quickly say, do not chase after no man, especially not the him. Don't be chasing the him. If the him chased you, and then you turn around and have to chase him. How does that make sense? Number nine, friendships have seasons. Not all friendships last. And I had to learn that. Like friendships, like relationships, like sometimes you break up, sometimes you grow apart. And I had to learn that the hard way with some of my really close friends, particularly from college, that after we graduated from college, that we just weren't as close anymore. I had two really good, good best friends in college. One was a female, one's a male. <laughs> the male one, I was always joked that he, he was my common law husband because we lived in the same building all four years that we went to college together. We had shared property because I had some of his stuff. I still have one of his sh like basketball shorts from high school. <laughs> and he had some of my pots and pans. When we graduated, he came with a box and was like, here's your stuff. And I was like, oh, thanks. Here's your stuff. Or not really, because like when I take something, I usually keep it. But 
That friendship did not last too long after we graduated from college. I got into graduate school and started hanging out with other people and I'd see him here and there and we were still close, but he was never really good at just like communicating and doing the things that I need in friendship, which is responding to uh, texts or call, phone calls or emails and actually spending quality time. I just didn't get in about the time I turned 30. We just weren't connected anymore. And eventually it, it all came to a head. It all came to a head at our 10th year uh, college reunion where I just like I said I need to communicate my feelings openly and often because I didn't do that I blew up at him in public in front of everybody I was also a little tipsy and I regret that I did that and I wrote him an email after the fact apologizing for embarrassing him and embarrassing myself but it just it needed to come out because I felt like he was trying to act like things were cool and I was like no I ain't working but he's not the only friend that I've just not stay close to anymore there's my friends here at home from high school that some of us got closer some of us have drifted apart and I'm someone who likes to hold on to things like if you're my friend and you're in my inner circle like I try to protect that I try to keep that very close to my chest and I try to fight as best as I can to protect that relationship and when it is falling apart or people are changing or things are just not the same I tend to hold on much longer than I should and then it will come to a head and I've just started to learn from my 20s that some relationships particularly friendships have seasons and maybe they're your very good friend in high school in college in graduate school when you first start working but it doesn't always stay that way and there's some people who will always be there like your very best friends but even that has the ability to change because everyone grows and starts living different types of lives and the things that connected you in the first place may no longer exist and so you just have to be okay with the changing of friendships and that for me was a really hard lesson to learn and so that's something that I I take from my 20s into my 30s and, and beyond is that some of my friendships they're cool for now but they may not always be the way that they have been they're not always going to stay the same and people who are really truly your like who are meant to be in your life no matter how much time you spend apart how little you speak that connection will always be there when I talk to my other college best friend doesn't even live in the country anymore she lives on a completely different continent she lives across the world but every time we talk uh, and catch up it 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 doesn't feel like who the hell is this chick I don't know who this person is it still feels like this is my friend this is someone I, I really care about and someone that I still connect to even if we don't talk every day and are living different lives in different places number 10 you are so dope beautiful let me rewind <laughs> let me put the whole government name on there let me put all the titles too. Dr. Latoya Chantel Tavernier, PhD. You are so dope. You are so beautiful, smart, funny, talented, sexy, and amazing. You are a great friend. You are a great daughter. You are a great human being. And don't let anybody make you feel like you're less than that. You are so amazing. You are worthy of love you are worthy of attention you're worthy of everything coming into your life gosh now it's like a letter to my 20 year old self and i'm sitting over here already crying 
these are things that I've just learned when I look back. I'm like, my gosh, I was so dope. Like, you can do better than him. Why the hell were you chasing these mofos when there was somebody who would have willingly, if you gave them a chance, taken all the things that you had? And it's not even about the him. It's about like playing small, not taking up space, not speaking up, not making moves because I didn't feel like I was enough, that I was capable, that I was worthy. And I am all those things like, gosh, good gosh, girl. Why were you doubting yourself? When I look at my, I'm like, you were the, you were the shit girl. Okay. I must admit, girl, you are the shit girl. And I'm digging you like a grave. Shout out to Love Jones, (laughs) brother to the night. I'm brother to the night. (laughs) You are all these things. And don't let anybody ever tell you different, especially yourself be confident be brave love who you are accept who you are and go forward and just be your authentic self don't shrink yourself don't do any of these things because you are so freaking amazing the way you are the way god made you the way your parents raised you the way that you have grown you are latoya davenir you are latoya Chantel davenir dr t toya t phd sister from another mister you are all these things and more now before i finish this segment i want to read something that i think really fits with today's episode and i think it's a good way to end these uh, 10 lessons that i learned from my 20s so here it is it's easy to look back and question decisions you've made in the past but it's unfair to punish yourself for them you can't blame yourself for not knowing back then what you know now and the truth is you made each decision for a reason based on how you were feeling at the time as we grow up we learn and we evolve maybe the person you are now would have done things differently back then Or maybe you are the person you are now because of the decisions you made back then. Trust your journey. It's all going to make sense. And this I got from an Instagram post and it says it's from at momentary happiness. And I'm just going to end there and move into the next section, which is figure this out. Figure this out for me. What is wrong with Americans? What is wrong with Americans? Let me just read you a tweet that I had to retweet because this shit makes sense. It says, didn't want to wear a mask, didn't want to stay indoors, don't want to get the vaccine. What the hell do y'all want? Why is everything in America so fucking unnecessarily difficult? Yes, why? I'm just going to take this person's question. The question originated from at D La She Art. And I want to make sure that they get their props because this is exactly um, what I have been feeling too. I am tired of being in this pandemic. I love the fact that I started my new job remotely and I didn't have to make the long commute to work and I get to spend more time with my family and I got to work on some projects that I had been meaning to work on for years, maybe months, weeks, whatever. More time to work on myself. But... I would like to go back into the world soon. I'd actually like to meet the students that I'm teaching in person. I would actually like to travel again. I'd actually like to uh, go to brunch again and go visit my friends, meet the babies that my friends have had during this pandemic. I'd like to do a lot of things, but it doesn't seem like we're going to get there for various reasons. One, because of the leadership of this country who's on his way out, Mr. 45, who uh, my mother informed me didn't even uh, order enough vaccines from Pfizer 
who was just approved to start producing their vaccine. He only ordered like 100 million. And there is definitely more than 100 million people in this country because over 140 million voted in this last election. So he didn't order enough vaccines. He only ordered 100 million um, for the United States of America. And I'm like, did he only order it for his followers and their families and if he did why I thought you said that the pandemic is a hoax and COVID-19 was um, something that was created by all of your enemies including the Democrats to the Chinese apparently Venezuela illegal immigrants as he would call them shithole countries even though he himself had it his wife had it his son had it and most of his close confidants have had it because super spreader events and they don't believe in wearing masks and all this other stuff but he's not the only one doing this okay as I've said before, there are plenty of regular people who also seem to be on that fuck shit. And that's the only way that I can describe it. I'm sorry. I'm just tired of being in the house. I want to go places and see people, okay? I want to do hood rat things with my friends. I want to get fricka schnicka with the next man that I meet, okay? Without worrying about catching the COVID, all right? I want to be able to get intimate with people without thinking about wearing a full body condom, okay? To keep myself safe. But as this tweet puts out there people don't want to wear masks they don't want to stay indoors because they're having these super spreader events and just forgetting about social distancing like the stories that I'm thinking of is in Washington state where there was a few employees that went to a 300 person wedding and got the COVID and then went back to their jobs working in senior living centers and gave it to the people who live there and of course problems. I'm also thinking of South Dakota, who has a, a governor that I don't know if her head is fully wrapped on tight. I'm not sure if she has the same. Actually, I think Barbie probably has more brains in her plastic head than this woman does, who seems to feel that it's not that serious. It doesn't exist. It has refused to put any kind of requirements for mass social distancing shutting down certain businesses or giving restrictions she ain't into that she's like I don't know why y'all so worried about but yet her state the number of infection rates that they have per day based on their small population that could fit in probably in Brooklyn is the highest in this country when you actually look at it based on their numbers they're saying that it's like 2,000 in cases but they only got 10,000 people living in the next day I'm joking here and I'm laughing about something but I just don't get it like they have the highest rates the highest infection rates in this country but still nothing and they've talked to nurses there was a nurse that had a, a tweet that went viral where she talked about she was on her day off and she couldn't imagine the fact that she uh, has been going to work and these people have been cursing her out, asking why she's wearing a mask when she's treating them as they're gasping for air. And they will not believe that they have COVID-19. They think they have a lung cancer and actually would prefer to have lung cancer than to admit that they have COVID-19 and that it exists and that their president that they worship like Jesus, even though most of them would say they're Christians. And so I don't know how you worshiping a human man over the God that you say that you serve but that's something else um, that they would rather believe that it doesn't exist because he told them that it doesn't exist, even though he admitted that he had it and plenty of people around him have had it, but they don't want to believe that they had it. And so they're screaming at her, cursing her out, making fun of her as she's trying to take care of them as she's putting them on a ventilator. I just can't believe that the, it can't be this. It has to be something else because the president told me that it was a hoax, that it's not that serious and I can do whatever I want to as they're gasping for breath. And this woman was still going to work and saying, I go back to work and I go and I help people because this is the the career path that I picked for myself and a part of my job is to do no harm and to serve people and I'm like it couldn't be me okay 
Because if you laughed at me and told me that it was a hoax, I'm trying to take care of you. I'm going to let you continue. I'll tell you, you can go leave now and you can go gasp your last breath outside this hospital because I ain't serving you. But that's why I'm not a doctor a medical doctor or a nurse or a medical health professional. That's why I am a doctor with a PhD for teaching. But this doesn't make any freaking sense. Do people not want to go back to normal? Do they not? And maybe because they never stop doing things. Come on, people. Have common sense. Think about other people. The fact that the number of vaccines that 45 ordered doesn't cover the whole United States. And Pfizer said that they wouldn't be able to create more for the United States because they have other orders from other countries until June of 2021. But I guess that's the American way. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's what's wrong with Americans. We have too many rights. You would think that people would want to take care of themselves. But I guess having all these rights means that you have the rights to harm yourself, to kill yourself. But the problem is that them not wearing masks, not social distancing and continuing to go out and act like everything is okay and there's no pandemic out there is that they affect the people around them. They are clogging up hospitals. They are spreading the virus to other people. They may be uh, asymptomatic and spreading it to other people who are trying their best to follow uh, the guidelines, but then come into contact with your dumb ass and you want to go and spread the virus and then want to come back like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I know better now because half my family died. Come on, people use common sense. I just don't get it. If you can explain to me, what is it? Is it American values that's the problem that we cannot seem to get things together? What do Americans want? Do you want to go back to normal and be able to do all the things that you want to without having to worry about this life-threatening virus that has taken over 250,000 people's lives in this country and counting? And it's probably going to be even more before the end of this wretched year because people wanted to have holiday events with each other. You want to have your Thanksgivings and your Christmases and your Hanukkahs and your birthday gatherings, your wedding gatherings, your big super spreader events, because it's my life and I want to do it. It's my party and I can cry and do whatever I want to and spread the virus. But hello, you live in this world. If you want to go back to normal and not have any problems, freaking put a damn mask on, social distance, stay your ass at home and stop having these damn super spreader events. Or if you're going to do that, go someplace and go. I mean, when animals get wounded and they just go away from the pack and they just go die in a ditch somewhere. I'm not saying that y'all should do that if you refuse to do these things that I just suggested. But it, it just you might want to keep it in mind because I can't deal with it. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I just want to go back to normal. I want to see people. I'm tired of talking to a screen of students who refuse to come off mute. And I'm just talking to myself without hearing any breaths, any laughter, any snickers, any moving of bodies, any shifting of papers, like nothing. Just talking to a screen. I'm like, hello, is it on? Did I freeze? Did you hear me? Am I on mute? Come on. What is going on here? And maybe I'm thinking of myself, but I'm also thinking about other people that are also in this. I know that I have it pretty good. There has been no infection in my immediate family. I haven't had any deaths in my immediate family from this. Everybody is employed in my household. Both my parents are employed. Everyone is able to take care of their bills. We are going to have a reasonably Merry Christmas because we can actually afford to celebrate. But 
not the way that we would want to. There's all these restrictions and we realize that other people and I'm saying we, but like I realize that there are other people that are out here suffering because of this pandemic and because people can't get their shit together. And so again, if you can figure this out for me, please let me know. And with that, I'm done. (laughs) If you like this episode, you like this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it. Also make sure to share this podcast with at least three friends by three because three is my favorite number and it would make me super happy also if you have not done so please rate and review the podcast wherever you are listening to this this is how the podcast continues to grow and we grow as a community and lastly i hope you have a wonderful morning afternoon evening whatever time it is wherever you are i hope you stay blessed i hope you stay safe i hope you continue to wear a mask wash your hands socially distance stay your ass indoors and continue to listen to the podcast and i will talk to you guys later all right bye